Being a real estate agent can be demanding. Being a mom, now that's even more challenging. Now being a mom in real estate, now that is hard. Okay. His siblings, 
in order to have any contact, which is different from you because you have contact. With yeah, we, we actually do quite a few visits. Um, we always do birthday parties together. And if, she, you know, uh, the one daughter, if Leanna can't come to the party, then we always will do like a Peter Piper or whatever. We'll meet and just the four girls get to hang out and play. So we do that a lot, probably about six times a year. Oh, good. So, oh, so right. it's kind of more like a cousin relationship now, sure. even though she is the sibling. Um, the thing is, is when I got my girls, they were older. So when Jazzy came to me, she was five. Uh -huh. And when Nana came to me, she was seven. And she's 13 now. Mm -hmm. So if that, they've been there pretty much six years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we still go up there. We've maintained that contact the whole time, which is, I love. Yes, and that for each family, it's different. It's funny because uh, as I, I feel like that some people have just set their mind on how it's supposed to be, <laughs> right? There is no answer in this. Scenario, you know, there is no one answer. Um, let's, I'm going to come back to you because I want to hear some more specific stories. But Carmen, um, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you and your children. Well, I have two sons, biological sons, and my foster daughter that is also my niece. So we're doing kinship. Uh, she came to me kind of like that in an unplanned way, but uh, I enjoy having her around. She's a really easy born, smart girl. She's a senior now. My oldest son is 33, Alex. He's a police officer after 11 years in the Army. Has five beautiful grandchildren, six of them. My youngest, Ricardo, is 29, and he's one son, Noah. So it's all three of my own, well, my daughter, also daughter, and my husband has two that are, like I mentioned before, a son, 34, and a daughter that is 33. So we have 11 grandchildren. Because uh, traditionally, you know, if there is a traditionally with foster care, traditionally the children that come into our care mm -hmm. are um, not necessarily family. And even if family does come into our care, it's not, I don't think it's that often that we become the foster parent of the child. Your circumstances, I thought, were really unique. And maybe I just don't know enough stories, but I thought it was fascinating. Tell the story of how you got her needs. Yes. So, um, my brother, Bernice, that was deported to Mexico, back to Mexico after 25 years, living in California. Three girls at the time, they were 11. Cassandra was the oldest, 11. Bernice was nine, and the younger one, seven. So they go to Mexico, they have never been. It was so hard for them, because they didn't know, you know, that it's kind of like, uh, mom will cry every day, because didn't have enough to provide, or what they were used to have in the United States. So uh, Bernice is in the school, uh, she finished A grade, and she decided she wanted to come to the United States to go to school, because she wanted to start high school here. So apparently they made a lot of phone calls to different people, and everybody said, no, you know what, take care of your child. So I was an ASCII person, so uh, my uh, sister-in-law calls and say, go meet your brother in Nogales on Sunday, probably on Saturday. So my cousin and I drove to Nogales, and there's my brother with Bernice, and she said, you know what, she wants to go to school in the United States, so the only person I will trust her uh, is you. So here is no luggage, no equipment luggage, no luggage, it's just a backpack with a bunch of clothes, like sweatpants and a t-shirt, let's head on, uh, folder with her documents, birth certificate, and the immigration records, and uh, 
make sure that they have their needs met. And it's not just food and water, it's therapies and occupational therapy and uh, speech therapy and all the therapies that they do. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I can meet their needs as well as my clients. Well, let's back up a little bit. I love to hear, now obviously Carmen didn't go weird and you're saying, here's why I chose, because <laughs> it was such a surprise. But in your case, your background, um, was part of the reason why you decided to go down this road. So would you yeah. be willing to share some of that? Well, when I was a very young mother when I had my son, and um, I was actually in the foster care system when I when I gave birth to my son, and so um, that gave me chills. That's crazy. I was yeah. I was honestly blessed with an amazing foster family, um, the Hemmelgarns, and I actually that's that's their last name, Molentina Hemmelgarns, and um, they lived on Fort Riley in Kansas. And so he was a war officer in the army, and you know she was a, a homemaker, and I think she did, maybe worked at the bowling alley. I don't know where she worked. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. So, but they were amazing people, and I think that that really stirred something in me to give back. I mean, my stay in foster care wasn't the same as a lot of kids that are in foster care, and I think that's because I wasn't in it very long. Maybe about eight or nine maybe about eight, eight months. Yeah. Um, and so I was in a group home and then in a foster home. But I mean, they were amazing people and I wanted to be like one of those amazing people. Yeah. Well, I think it worked <laughs> because when you guys hear some of the things that Heather is dealing with, um, God has gifted her pretty um, significantly in this area. So tell us, um, let's start with, let's talk, let's talk about Nana. Nana, my sweet Nana. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Nana's the oldest in the sibling group, and I, I think that part of her issues is due to the fact of, you know, just being the oldest in the family where there were, you know, certain neglect and abuse and, and circumstances like that, and I think that that really is, is weighed heavily on her. Um, she has a severe mental illness, and so she's my, my hard one, or one of them, but she's the hardest because now she's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And when you have a three-year-old throwing a tantrum and they're kicking and screaming and flailing their arms, you can take that three-year-old and set them on your lap and you know mm -hmm. try to comfort them. A 13-year-old on my lap that's bigger than me is a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. So it can become a very aggressive um, and you know violent outburst. And uh, you, know, you just gotta take it a step at a time and day by day. Yeah, so. you know, I, one of the things that I was uh, completely blind to before having any idea about uh, the, just the effects of trauma on the brain, because mm -hmm. like these kids, what they go through or what they see or what they um, shouldn't see or whatever, whatever it is that they go through, it affects their brain, like literally affects their brain. And some kids deal with it differently than others and it comes and it goes and it's something that we don't fully understand but wow, it's significant. It's significant. And I'll be honest, I have put my 12-year-old in my lap and rocked her. Yeah. I mean, I've done that and that's, it's just a, a brain shift of yeah. how you have to think about the way that you love on each child. It's, mm -hmm. it's completely, because I have biological children, I have stepchildren, I have adopted children, and my eyes are really open to the different ways you have to adapt in circumstances. It's, and yours is much more, I mean, absolutely much more, um, what's the word, intense than yes. what I 
yeah. experience. Well, I mean, it, they and they change. They change over time. You know, they get better. Sometimes they have worse seasons than others. And um, right now, we're gonna knock on the wood. She's doing really good, and she seems pretty stable right now. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. I'm a little concerned because it seems like every year in October she ends up hospitalized right before Val or right before Halloween. And so now that I saw the Halloween decorations yesterday, my fear response mm. is on high alert right now because mm -hmm. I'm worried that she's going to end up hospitalized. And of course we pray that that doesn't happen. Sure. But I see a pattern, and I and the fall is always a really hard time. Yeah. And we don't know. It could be a trauma trigger. There could have been something that happened around Halloween right. that's in her brain that she doesn't she know. know it. Mm -hmm. She has no clue. But I realized it last October because I was sitting in the ER and I got up to go get a drink and she was sleeping. And I got up and I, I saw the Halloween decorations and I was like, wait, there's something there. there yeah. And so I started going back and it's always at the end of September, beginning of October. Well, we'll pray so, that yes. the Lord shields her over this season of the year for sure. Absolutely. I told Heather in our pre-interview, um, most people, probably including myself, would have passed out. <laughs> you know, just um, to, 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 you've got to imagine that you, in your situation, I never fostered, they just came into my home. But you fostered them, you experienced these children and all of their greatness and all of their not so greatness, and you still went, I want to be legally their mother. I want to, I just want to cry right now. I, I, and I was like, you didn't bring the tissues. Yeah. I this know. is a foster mom. If I cry, I don't think I did that because I don't usually have them. But I don't usually have anything going now. on here. But just that you said, I know what I'm getting myself into, and mm -hmm. I made that choice. Most people would tap out. Because Even I knew in your situation, I mean, you're going to tell some more stories. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I, I am full of admiration for um, the how the Lord has gifted you with perseverance and whatever it is that has gotten you through your story and didn't tap out. You know, that's strength. And, and somebody out there needs to tap into their own strength or learn from you guys. Um, Carmen, I want you to, if you would, I want you to tell a little bit about your struggle with... Um, Giancarlo. Yes, that's um, always hard, right? Because he is the son. He's the most difficult thing I have to do. Uh, to go on my life. No, I went to divorce. You know, he for 18 years he be a guy that instead of helping my son be bad him, but he will bribe him to have him on his side. So that always he wouldn't settle for anything. So yeah, that's one of the biggest thing. I don't know. You know, I look back and I just thank God for this time. Well, you have to tell them what yes. the problem was. <laughs> yes. So uh, he was 14. I didn't divorce him. He took in. He didn't fit that well. In his mind, he had a perfect family, no problems. So he was just naive, you know, thinking, okay, you know, my family is so perfect. We go out, we eat, we go home. I go for the trip to my best friends. I still spend the night or spend the night. He was just a happy kid. And when we dropped the bomb on him, like, hey, mom and dad are getting divorced. What? Uh, so I became like, okay, you know, those things have been really bad for a long time. I'm talking about 10 years sometimes after I tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, my ex had a baby with my niece, my sister's daughter. Oh. And I stayed in a marriage so unhappy for 10 years, trying to keep a home for my boys to get 
to me that's what physic art, my idol, my everything. Pretty picture, my voice without that, that it wasn't good. It was a budget to see this paper because you know it didn't do very good for me or for my voice. So my son, it's kind of his uh, world fall apart. That is done. He divorced me. He bought the son. He was never in the picture. So then he just disappeared. He went on to get married, get a divorce, get married again, and have his own life. And then my oldest son decides to join the army, which uh, Alex and uh, Jean, he and Carlos and Jean, they were really close. Alex was like Jean Charles. He will just follow him around. Oh, so you felt yes. like you lost dad, you lost yeah. brother. And then mommy is so busy because when I was married, I couldn't learn English. I just learned English before I got my license. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't do anything because there were guys everywhere that I go. So I wasn't allowed to do anything because my ex was completely like really really controlling so I have to go to school uh, and physique and learn English I have to go to the other state to get my license and it's real funny had I got my license or something else well and I was working 60 hours because that was no help and I didn't have any family that's my fault and I'm here alone and now I have my husband and I have a family but back then I was 15 so I was terrified like what if I get sick or what if something happens so anyways Jean kind of helped and Carlos to help. Like, I don't have anybody now. Mm -hmm. The other son, my oldest son, mom is busy. And I was doing so much things to help houses, to do a lot. I was working on the computer, taking for houses, making him part of my routine every day. So he just sent me, started sending me the wrong hits. Started uh, smoking marijuana at the beginning. And, you know, he's a sweet boy. I mean, he'll get up early in the morning and they need to always want to be next to me so when he started doing drugs I didn't know what was going on but I noticed that he changed my sweet little boy is very uh, he's a rebel he's respectful he doesn't listen to me anymore he just getting out of the house without permission so he's a different person and that just escalated got worse and worse to the point that he was shooting heroin so that was so painful, you know, you feel so hopeless, so guilty, that was my word. I feel so guilty that I got to convicted. I should have stayed in that bad marriage, mm -hmm. it would be better right now. So it was a lot going on before he judged, the people that you think they want to be there for you. They, they judge you. Yeah, yeah, they judge you. They look at the kid like he's some kind of disease and get close to them. Mm -hmm. It was just really hard dealing with all of that. But through all of this, I ever... Every day I will pray and I always believe that he was going to be okay. When people say, get ready, because most of his friends, sadly, are dead. Most of them. It's probably one of them that is alive. Wow. All of them gone. And so he was 14 and that lasted? Until he was uh, almost 20. Almost 20. Can almost you guys 20. imagine that? Six years of watching. And I know that there are lots of families that have to deal with drug abuse and uh, just I can't even imagine how painful that would be to watch your son um, for so long struggle with that but uh, now I want the audience to recognize that when she first started she said well he's 29 now which means yes he's good he's good yeah thank God and you know that's what I said uh, I'm the happiest person in this world because my son, my oldest, got deployed four times. So at one point, my oldest says, 
this long, and my youngest is still at the stage. I don't know where he is. I'm trying to find him. So I don't know which one I should worry more about, the <laughs> oldest or the youngest. Like, you know, I, was, I used to think, well, the oldest is still there. That's what he's doing over there. But he doesn't have control over what's going on. And my youngest is just 12 over there, you know. And my fear was to get the phone call and say, hey, he overdosed. Oh, right. Or, you know, he's hurt, whatever. It was just so painful. I kind of became a detective, went through all of this with my son. It was, um, what was this for uh, Facebook? This, uh, Facebook, MySpace. MySpace. Yes. So I learned to use his, uh, how to get his passwords and get on it and <laughs> check his account. <laughs> check his account. I would um, open a bank account with money in the bank account so that way I would track him with his debit card where his, his last place where he's uh, Detective Carmen McGee. Yes, <laughs> I have to, you know, when the laws are lost. I lied to my husband so many times. I said, I'm going to show Hassan. I was going to be looking for my son in the mm. street. I will go knocking on doors. I will go make phone calls. They said, hey, which last saw him at this place? I will go there. Well, that, there's a door knocking strategy. <laughs> um, have you, A, seen my son, or B, want to buy or sell a house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was really, really difficult. But thank God, I'm so grateful that both my sons got out of that. You know, my son, it was his choice to get in the army and all of that. He was a sergeant by the time he got out. And uh, my youngest, he is just the sweetest person. He has a beautiful heart. And it's really sad to see how they change and they are not themselves. And yeah. I was looking for that. You know, I used to look at him and say, somewhere deep in there, my son, yeah. my sweet little boy, one day is going to come out of there. And he was so hard. And, you know, on top of that, I had to deal with my husband that didn't agree with my ways. He's like a really hard person. That's, that's what he wants to do. He was going to do it. Like, nope. Never gave up on my son. I even once said, I'm going to go knock on the governor's door. Somebody's going to listen to me. Somebody's going to help me. I'm not willing to lose my son like that. I'm not going to do it. Wow. So I. Nasty. I went to everybody. I even sent him to Texas to programs. Uh, so I did everything that you can think of. Every single program, counseling, Arizona, he went to. And we did it. We did it together. So my oldest used to say, Mom, that's what you want. That's what you can do it. Now that he's a police officer and he has to go and give advice to people that overdose. Yeah. Like the other day, he said, I want to speak to this guy. This girl was like 25 and she died next to her two three year old little girl. Oh, oh so awful. now he said, Mom, thank you thank so much you because you, yeah, because you didn't listen to me. Thank you because he loved us bigger than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, nope. And I look at my son now, I'm like, thank God that he's a dad now and he's a really good dad. He's a sweet little boy, always there for people. And that, you know, that is such a great story. And one of the things that just makes me go back to this, there, every single person has a well of strength that can be tapped into. Because even though you had those dark six years, I mean, that's a long time to, to be dark, you know? Yes. Um, it's got to inspire somebody out there to, you know, kind of pull yourself up from by your bootstraps and tap into the well of strength. Well, my well of strength is, is, the, is the Lord. Um, that's my well of strength. But everyone has a well of strength. And these are really good examples and which should inspire women to work harder at tapping into that if you're in a dark period. You know, I love what you said, Heather. You, when you and I were talking, and um, there actually there's a couple of things I love that you said. I don't know if you noticed, but one of them was 
he said, you know, here you are, you've got all these seven kids and you're having a career and you used to compare yourself to others. Talk about that for just a minute. Well, I have seven kids. <laughs> so I, I think that, I mean, probably the first half of my real estate career, I was so worried about wanting to be the rookie of the year or sell the most homes or the, you know, highest growth annual. And I came to the realization that my definition of success is not what everybody else's definition of success is. My children being successful and my children being healthy and keeping kids out of the hospital and, and dealing with their mental health issues is so much bigger than buying and selling houses. Mm -hmm. Although I love to do that too. And a lot of my clients are also foster parents. So we learn a lot from each other that way too. But I mean, I can't be the guy that shows up here at eight o'clock in the morning and, and makes phone calls till noon. I know that mm -hmm. and that's okay because what my business is is my business and Tanya's business is her business and we're all different. We've talked so. several times in this show um, in past episodes about appreciating the season of life that you're in because it doesn't stay the same, that's a guarantee. You're never gonna stay in the same season forever. You know, whether it's a season of darkness or a season of a bunch of kids, you know, <laughs> um, they grow up. I mean, that it changes, and to appreciate that, and to also adapt our minds to the season that you're in. You know, you can't have the same expectations in all ways of yourself through every season of life. And I just, I think that was a, a really good sign of self-awareness that you're like, you know what? I'm gonna stop comparing myself to somebody else at this moment because my life demands, and I chose it to love on these children and they need a lot of attention. So I'm not gonna put pressure on myself to be a $10 million producer. I'm gonna sell some real estate. It's gonna be good. I'm gonna stay you know, professional in that way, but let's stop the comparison. I think that's wise, really wise. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of kids to care for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have a lot of appointments. And it's a lot of appointments. It's, I think that what, one thing that people don't realize is I might have three kids at home, mm -hmm. right, at the moment, because I just sent one to college, and he, he can't even watch me because he's not a mom in real estate, but how about a phone call? <laughs> Hello? Mom, hi. I'm doing great. I'm <laughs> um, just kidding. He's having a great time. But, you know, it's not the number of kids. It's the number of kids and their circumstances, mm -hmm. your appointments. I mean, they have to be overwhelming. It's probably somewhere between eight and ten appointments a week. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's, that's I, I admire you very much, both of you. And I love the appointments, that they're in the back doing their appointment, and I'm in the lobby doing my work. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Stealing their office space. Yes, both of you talked about the importance of um, being able to manage your time. I mean, obviously, you've got all of these kids or these circumstances, and you're different. You know, you're trying to find your son, whatever it was, managing your time. You both put a lot of emphasis on that in our conversation. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I, I have to time block. So, I mean, I have set certain days where I will block off, this is for showings, these are for phone calls, and when I make appointments, I don't make appointments in those spots. So Wednesday, every Wednesday, I know that from 12.30, when I pick up my daughter, till about 3.15, I do not have time for anybody else but my children, mm -hmm. okay? I might be able to take a phone call while she's at her appointment, and I might be able to do emails and things like that, you know, to fill that space because I don't just like to sit there. Right. Um, but I know that, that that has to get done. 
you know, and then I set, you know, hours in the evening twice a week for buyer appointments to go look at houses or whatever. And so I have to have it there. And so if I have a Tuesday where I show houses during the day and that client gets under contract, then the next buyer goes in that spot. And I have to do it that way or I lose my mind. So here's the interesting thing that just occurred to me. You have forced discipline in this area because there's no other way to function. You can't. But can you imagine if some of you would like just volunteer that kind of discipline, what you could accomplish? I mean, what you could accomplish if you actually just chose to time block and, and do those things that are really actually good because you're productive. You know, you have to be getting yeah. things done. That's awesome. Do you have anything to say about that? Yes, I kind of, you know, right now it's a little difficult for me because I'm out of, you know, one box. But I raise my kids in right. the day. I can't talk to daughter. She's 17, so she's pretty self-sufficient. We're teaching her now to write in the box if we went to college next year or uh, Air Force Academy. So she's pretty independent besides the homemade stuff I have. That's her advantage, and she has a job. She only works two days a week now, but uh, she has a little job, so she's pretty independent. But I have to my youngest one, Giancarlo, he's going to a divorce, so he has a four-year-old boy. So I have to have him from Sunday to Wednesday morning. What was his name? Noah. 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 So Noah goes to preschool, and I live uh, thirty-second Street in the sixty in Mesa. I have to drive him to McLean and Warner and Chandler Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So that's kind of uh, different because, you know, I have to go back and adjust to dealing with him, getting him to bed early, getting him dinner. He loves to swim. He has a little fish in the water. So I work with that. That doesn't really change my time to real estate right now. What I have to do when he gets home, sometimes he wants to be with me early, right after school. That picks him up from school of mom and drop him off to me. So I used to get most of the paperwork done in the evening. So now the days I have him, I have to put him to bed first and then come and do my work. Just when you think the kids are out of the house. They're not. Yes, no, they're they're not. Get ready. They're not, yes. Yes, but I love Noah. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for him. Yeah. He wants to be there. He's a really smart boy. Yes, but yes, to what Taylor said, it's, it's awesome to time block. So me, I have more free time now, even though I have to. Don't help brag. Now. Don't yes. brag. It's what just is not this? becoming. Yeah. What is this free time? <laughs> what is that about? free time? I think that's yeah. Well, not free language. time. Like I don't have anything to do, but to do real estate. Yes. Well, it's not uh, more in real estate. You know, I have pretty much the whole day for myself to go and do real estate to sellers mm-hmm. or buyers or whatever. So okay, we do have a, a question or two. We'll see how much time we have from um, our audience. One of the questions is, do you think that being a foster mom has given you a better sense of empathy for everyone you meet, specifically maybe your clients? Oh, absolutely. It is my superpower, I think. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you're always trying to figure out the why of someone's behavior. And it's just like become second nature to me. You know, if somebody's mean or grumpy or hangs up on you or is frustrated, you know, because sometimes a buyer or seller may get stressed out, it's a stressful. Buyers and sellers doing, does yeah. anybody have a buyer and Yeah, they get stressed <laughs> out and then you kind of, like I used to be able, I would get offended uh-huh. and I don't anymore. I mean, I know you like me and I know we're gonna work this out and you're frustrated right now, but we'll work through it. And yeah, that became my superpower with these kids. Is I, because yeah. the why behind whatever behavior, and it doesn't matter if it's a child or an adult, there's always gonna be some kind of behavior and trying to figure out the why is, I think that was a really good question, whoever thought of that one. 
Um, because I'll tell you one thing that just blew my mind when Ar- when Ari and Bentley came into the house. Now my I'm fat, my kids are fat, my husband's fat, and here comes Ari and Bentley. Bentley's fat, and Ari has a whole sense of time all of her own. There is no such thing as fat with Ari, like not in physical movement. Actually, she's very athletic. She's fast and she runs, but thought process, the way she thinks about things, and I thought, well, you can fix that. Just hurry up, you know? And I know I'm admitting that. I'm actually admitting that I thought that. I can fix that. How, who am I? But there is, there are, she gave me such of an appreciation for a level of patience and a, a level of understanding that people are wired differently, they're made differently, and even the way that somebody thinks about things can be so vastly different from my own, and it's still okay. That, and I know that sounds stupid, probably everybody in the whole audience was like, duh, but for me, that was a huge revelation. Well, yeah, I mean, you want, go, 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 you know, and with my tribe, um, there's a couple slow folks, as they call them, <laughs> and then Nana, obviously, I mean, she processes information differently, period. Mm-hmm. So you tell her, you know, you try to give it simple instructions, but sometimes you'll see her standing there, and you're like, go get a cup. And she's just standing there. Mm-hmm. And she's just really, like, either trying to understand what I said, what I asked, but she's just processing it. And in our, I think a lot of realtors are pretty fast. Why are you standing there? Right? Yeah. Just, and, that's, and that's it. You get frustrated, like, um, hello, get the cup. Sometime today, it'd be great, you know? Right. But you can't, because then she starts getting agitated and frustrated, and we don't want to send her in that direction. So yeah, it's it's teaching me, still teaching a whole level of patience. I, I had to learn to go, get the cup, get the, get the cup, get that, to, hey, it would be really great. Would you get, would it be okay if you got that cup? <laughs> Take care of it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm being obnoxious, but I like literally had to, talk myself into it's going to be I'm going to have to ask her four or five times in a nice way because she's not ignoring me but if you asked her for the brownie she probably would have had it by now <laughs> 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 I'm giving you a Just brownie saying. you're there I mean we got to focus on the right words to use um, no I, I'm with you there yeah you're like empathy that was a good question yeah that's amazing how we could we think like I was in control with kids, right? And sometimes yeah. we have to adapt to them. Yeah. So yeah, it's easier that way than it's the kind thing to yeah. do. Empathy. That was it's a new word. It's a new word for me, but I'm learning it. Okay. Um oh. Somebody asked, being a foster mom can be very tough, but what do you love the most about being a foster mom or adoptive mom or just your situation? They're trying to make me cry. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> This is like my phrase. It's the hardest, most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life. It really is. I mean, I can't tell anybody that it's easy, but to see the growth in these mm-hmm. children That's the and truth. where they came from. Now I'm getting goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, I mean, I do have the sibling group of three. And the 11-year-old was probably one of the meanest, most vicious, aggressive child at five years old that I've ever seen in my life and I can sit here today and say she's not on medication anymore 
She doesn't have to take any medication um, for depression or anxiety or anything like that. She's in sixth grade, her scores are improving. And to see her blossoming is, it gives me hope for the other two sisters. Yeah. It does, and I mean, she's just come so far. And I, she's been with me six years. But I mean, it's amazing. And I, I'm in fifth grade. You know I can't, I, mean? I can't even, sometimes I forget what she was like at five years old and how violent she was. Yeah. You know, because that she's a sweet little soul now. Yeah, and you had told me, Carmen, that, um, you know, Bernice was quite uh, defensive against you and didn't want to listen and didn't want rules. But what did she tell you recently? Well, now she's today's woman and she's 47 years old. She, she knew that she wanted to go to school. That's all she knew was she wanted to be a nurse, doctor, not the good nurse, or nothing. All she knew was like, I want to go to school. She didn't know what's going to take for her to make that happen, to go to college and, you know, get the care that they got my cousin. He was with her all the time. Like, he's on her. Like, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. This is how you work on yourself. Better yourself. She was really shy. She didn't want to talk. Now she does public speaking for RPC. She oh has a very high position with them. So it's just rewarding to see the way she was when she got to my house to the way she is. She has grown so much, and that is just such a good feeling. What a what an honorable man that he would invest so much into her. That's really that's awesome. You know, my mom said something to me that I'll, I'll never forget. She, she called me one day and um, she said, you know, I was really thinking about, because it was in a time when we were really struggling with the kids. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, you know, I was thinking about this and, and I was praying and the Lord was telling me, this is not about you. It might not even be ab about those kids, but what about their kids or their kids' kids? Like, the, the, the entire direction of their life is different because you decided to, to obey the Lord and take these kids. Their, their entire lives are in a different direction. And that, I think on that, you know, I've, I'm having nothing but good days lately. You know, my kids are amazing. They're blossoming. But if I ever have to go through another season, I'm going to hang on to those words because it is worth it. It is worth to invest in people and not just children. It's worth investing in each other. You guys, they, you guys were great today. I... I gotta cut us off, but I um, thank you for um, your questions, audience, and thank you guys so much for sharing your hearts and being vulnerable thank and telling us yucky stories and great stories. And um, I'm I'm really grateful that you came on today. Thank you. Yes. So thank you guys for being with us today. Next week it's Mamas of Drama. That's <laughs> next week. I have no idea how that's gonna go, but that will be exciting. But thank you again, Mortgage Advantage, Diane Gerdes, and April Chadwick for sponsoring this really important show and thank you guys for watching.